I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Got it! Crowd cheers. Here's Siddle. He's got it! Welcome back. Uh, here we are, two slips and a gully in our regular spots, you know, getting used Watch to it, getting it comfy, ready to go. Um, well, there's no cricket on right now. Well, at least no international cricket. This episode, we're going to look first at the uh, One Day Cup, the, uh, what's what's it called now, the Marsh Cup. Yeah, we went yeah. Mercantile Mutual, the Pura Cup, the ING Cup, the uh, Matador Cup, the Yogi Cup. The Sell Your Jay Soul Cup, Cup this year. But, yeah, it's basically the State One Day Cup. Yeah, we'll go with right, that so we don't get confused. We just call it the Marsh Cup. Is that a company? Yeah. Well, they're not naming it after Mitch Marsh. Well, yeah, yeah. They didn't Could go that be... crazy over his seven wickets. Really? I, yeah. I thought the Marsh Brothers were just giving back some of the money we've donated to them over the past few years. <laughs> well, you'd think that they should, but I don't think we've paid them that much so they could fund a whole tournament. All right, yeah. And also, we're, we're going to have a segment... Well, I'm calling it the uh, the Boulevard of Broken Dreams, all right? All about players who did really well in first-class cricket and just couldn't make it stick in the test level or, you know, or in the international level if you if you want to go into ODIs. Yeah, so I was just kind of... I thought of this segment when, uh, well, I was playing international cricket captain because uh, I'm a stats nerd. Um, and I looked at the stats of one Graham Hick, the current uh, England. Well, he's part of their setup. Is he a batting coach? He's I a think. batting coach. I think he's even been a batting coach for us as well. At yeah, one point. And I noticed that Graham Hick had amazing first-class county stats, lots of hundreds, uh, a highest score of four hundred not out. But the guy couldn't really make it stick at Test level. I think his average was mid-30s, which is not terrible, but, you know. So we're, we're looking at players who are really talented, but for one reason or another just couldn't make that step up. 
Oh, I don't think we're going to make it into an 11. We're just going to... No, just talk rattle about, off a yeah. few players. All right, cool. All that coming up. Got it! Patrick Sloverball! Beautifully bowled! So, we're uh, going to have a bit of a chat about... So, what are we, what are we going to settle on? The Marsh Cup. Marsh Cup. Marsh Cup, that's Apparently, its name? that's what it is. Okay. The Not Marsh the Mitch Marsh Cup. Not the, the Mitch Marsh, Marsh Cup. Cup. It will always be the Mercantile Mutual Cup to me. <laughs> always be the ING Cup for me. Bring back the signs. The signs. Hit the signs for 50k. I remember watching that last... Um, the last ING Cup before they took it off free-to-air TV. And it How was, good was that? It was the debut season of um, Moses on Reeks. And they were talking about him being this young, promising, up-and-coming... Um, talent and uh, him and Stuart McGill had to get three runs off the last over and Stuart McGill had to face the over he glanced one down leg and they ran three and I was like yes Stewie you're a champion I think they're playing South Australia something in the time in New South Wales and I was just like oh my god love this it's awesome and that was that was how good was cricket in the 90s for those of you that are unfamiliar with Australia's domestic scene or any of our younger listeners out there during the 90s not only did Channel 9 broadcast the Australian one-dayers and test matches, but they also used to come out and broadcast. They got Tony Gregg and yeah. Ian Chappell and Richie Benno. They'd and try out a few of the B team, but yeah. mostly it was... A bit of a call-up, some of those guys coming out of yeah. reserve grade, trying to cra- yeah, apply yeah. their craft to maybe get a crack to, you know... In, Richie in, was probably in France at the time, you know, or... But yeah, yeah they have, they, they'd have the, the one-day domestic cup on free-to-air television and their crowds were nuts and they had the signs on the boundary that if your batsman hit yeah. them that they'd score $50,000 and that usually went to pay for the team's mad Monday at the end of the season sort of thing. But it was great. It was, and yeah. then that's and just... You could, catch, you could catch a six and you'd get money for yeah, that. Yeah, 500 too. bucks. It, it, jack, it jackpotted. Yeah, I think 500 was like the most... I think at one point it was like... It started at 100, and if no one caught it, the next game it would be two. So, yeah. Yeah. And um, but they can't great. do that. There's yet. so much, so much. And what's really annoying, well, going a little bit off topic here, because we've talked about this in our, you know, in our chats at the uh, local establishment. That, <laughs> um, but what's really annoying about it is they used to find time to broadcast fr- um, cricket on free to air television, domestic cricket on free to air television. Now that Channel 9 has what, five different channels at their disposal, they can't find room to show yeah. to, to, to show domestic cricket. We're now going to have it on... Best example I saw Fox Sports. was when they, they cut funding to the Rugby Union, obviously, on ABC, which was the Shoot Shield. They cut it so the ABC, like the, the ABC couldn't afford the rights to it anymore. So they said, who wants the rights to it? And I think it was... 7-2 seven, seven or whatever, whatever it was at the time, picked up the rights and literally just have one guy calling the game, you know... Journalist student straight out of school, paying bugger all. And he just literally calls the game because he loves the game, and just do the same thing with the shield. Like I can't see why yeah. they can't just do that. They do the same thing online. You can just watch it online, but just they don't have anywhere to put a TV on and people watch it. Surely, if if you went to Cricket Australia and offered them any amount of money, which I think is that's what Fox has done, is they've just gone and I'll give you we'll give you a half eaten sandwich and a high five, and we'll show you we'll, we'll broadcast the domestic. Well, I still games. And this is getting this is getting really <laughs> far off track, but I still maintain at this point with this current TV rights deal and the way that um, the way that cricket's set up in Australia, with so much of it being on Fox Sports, I think that you'd be mad not to if you're a summer sport of any kind to be just literally doing the same thing, just throwing, literally saying, "I'll give SBS the rights to our game for cents on the dollar," and just 
get your exposure out there because at this point you've got you, you've got all these young impressionable kids and they're not not a lot of them are kind of putting their hand up to play cricket anymore. I've like I've noticed there's a lot a lot of a downtick in cricket yeah. playing in in junior cricket ranks and senior cricket ranks and stuff like and that. And we know from playing cricket locally that um, you know we've we've got we don't have a high level interaction, but there is interaction between our club and cricket New South Wales, and you can tell from those interactions that there's a big push to get more involvement in grassroots cricket. So they're understanding that. There, yep. there needs to be an interaction and to bring more kids yeah. into the game. But, but yet, but you're, not putting, TV. but you're not putting your products easily available on television. Like, yeah, we've got the Big Bash over Christmas, but any of those other... Like, it's getting harder to watch the other forms of cricket yeah. on, on free-to-air, which I think yeah. is silly. Well, I mean, the other thing, I've, I've told these guys a million times, but I haven't put it on a, a uh, obscure podcast yet. We're getting less obscure. Oh, yeah. um, changing. Well, you've, you've got to bring your... Um, rather than playing in an empty SCG, there is a whole other, you know, facet to New South Wales that, you know, not many Sydney people know about. It's called the entirety of the west, west of Blue Mountains. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yes, the team is called New South Wales. Our, our state team is called New South Wales. Not in 20s, they're called Sydney. Fine. Have them in Sydney, but New South Wales doesn't end at the mountains. So bring it out west and actually play to an audience because yeah, we've talked, you've talked a bunch of times. Going if they just did a did a tour, a couple of games, be it the the one day cup or the or the Sheffield Shield, just yeah. come out and bring like for example, you know, bring it out to a, a regional town. And it's got to be a good good oval. Yeah, it's start be off being a good, good oval. Facility. You just send you send a. A groundskeeper from from the SCG to liaise with the, the groundskeepers at you know local council, whichever regional town that you're going to, to set up a, a first class or a de, um, or a marsh cup quality pitch. You then teach the the people living in that regional town how to make quality pitches. That's the information that they're going to learn and they can use forever and a day. Yeah. You bring you know it's no one's going to watch your games in Sydney so yeah, bring it out here and expose it to the country it's just really weird when you're watching those games on TV and someone hits a beautiful shot over cover you just hear a smack you hear like yeah like just echoing one, around the empty one bloke ground. gets up from reading his paper and, or doing the crossword or whatever he's doing and just looks yeah. at it because there's the only the, the real fanatical fans are the ones that are watching this game everyone else is just like yeah, we've always maintained no that if, if, they, if they came out and brought a um, a game within you know, out to our town, we'd get chicken pox for that week. I'll, and, yeah, I'll, oh, take, I'll, be, I'll take the week off work, absolutely. I'll take him the week off, yeah. If and, it's anywhere near us. It could be in Dubbo, which is, what, two and a half hours yeah, from yeah, here. Yeah, an hour and a half away, so, yeah. yeah. And, we'd, yeah, we'd go in and watch that sort of thing. But, anyways, we've digressed enough. Cricket was better in the 90s. <laughs> um, Don't blah, 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 old-timers. Anyways, so <laughs> this current version of the, uh, the Marsh Cup... Not the Mitch Marsh Cup, but the Marsh Cup. That joke's not going to get old. Um, so, started off really well. Um, Western Australia had a great first game. Came out and scored 380 in the first innings. Uh, Marcus Stoinis coming back from a really disappointing World Cup. Knocks off a 50-ball 100. Yeah, to what really... is with that guy? Like, he was terrible in the World Cup. Just woeful. I think that Marcus Stoinis is going to be... When we do this... Same pot, the same episode five, six years from now, he is going to be one of those guys that are going to bully domestic cricket. 
yeah. and not be able to step uh, it up. You I think, think he's, he's, he's on a one-way trip down to the boulevard of broken dreams? I, I don't uh, believe so. Uh, <laughs> we'll be talking about him in, in the reunion episode. The reunion yeah, episode. Okay. I, don't, I hope not. I think he. I think it's there, but I think at the moment that's what it is. He's um, he's certainly good enough to be a very good domestic the, player and he's not quite the big issue is making that, that leap. But I think more exposure to that. He's not young either, though, as well. Oh, he's, he's early 20s. He's, he's 27, I'm pretty sure. That's still really early. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's early 20s, but it's just like... It, it, I actually, I looked he's, it up when I was quite surprised at his age. Six years well, younger but still, he's, he's at a point where... Well, especially, he's um, he, he could have had a serious tilt at potentially being that all-rounder in Test cricket. And a lot of people talk about him being that all-rounder in Test cricket. But he's... Yeah, I just... I think... I think if, if, you want, if you want to do that, like, you're going you're gonna to go young... You've got Mitch Marsh there still, who's a guy who can't hit off the square. I think Marsh is as old, maybe even a little older than Stoinis. He's twenty-seven. That's what I mean. He's, so he's, I don't think Stoinis has had. Like, he's pretty like and for like in that kind of in, in, at this point anyway. Watson didn't get his like serious crack at the team until he was in his late twenties, early thirties. Before he, you know, while he's finally got his hamstrings to hold together long enough that he could actually yeah. play a game. So the writing's not on the wall for Stoinis yet, but that's obviously we've seen it. Um, well, he's had it's, good it's just games something against him. Well, I, I think he, he has had good games for Australia. I think he was just out of form for the World Cup, to be honest. Yeah, hundred percent. But he, the big thing is he needs it's to work. There's a few things he needs to work on, especially particularly like it's it's pretty well addressed across all formats that he just needs to work on rotating the strike. Like one day, as singles are quite often, you know, you, you've got to keep you can't got to keep the dot balls to a minimum. Yeah, and it's not always a four hitting ball that you can play at. That is Stoinis's Achilles' heel. Is he's a guy that likes to face a lot of balls and back his strength to to catch up the dot balls that he faces. So he absorbs some dot balls, but know that he's got the the hitting in him to catch it up. Yeah, so and that works in the twenties, but in the twenty twenties, I should say. Um, but yeah, in your fifty over game, you've got to be able to work the single. Yeah, like well, it's a big part of it. He didn't really need to. He spent most of his time watching it sail over the fence. So it was a great showing there. Where was um, this game played though? The Wacker. That one was at the Wacker? That's not tiny, is it? Yeah. Well, the the next game at the Wacker was good low scoring. Was it the Victoria-Tasmania game? Was it the Wacker? Or was it the... um, I think it might have been. Oh, sorry. They haven't played next game at the Wacker. I was was just reading that. That's one of the highest scoring ones at the moment. Uh, But yeah, so there have been some really notable standouts. Um, Josh Phillippe opened the batting. Um, He's a guy that's... Yeah, Ryan's brother, maybe. Uh, um, yeah, so the yeah, so the Victoria Tasmania game was the other one at, at the Wacker. Um, yeah, uh, Ryan Phillip, uh, <laughs> stuck in me. Oh, yeah. Josh Phillippe, who's a guy that Warren I think watched play once, and he must have hit a good cover drive. So Warren he came out and said that he must be in the World Cup side, which is of course ludicrous. But he's certainly showing that he's um, got a really good technique. There's a lot of players really excited about what he has to show. This. The Sydney Sixers had him as their opening batsman, and he had Where's some pretty good from? returns. Is he from West? He's from Western Australia. Oh, okay, because I just thought of him as one of the, another one of those um, bash crash Sydney Sixers guys who's from Sydney somewhere, and yeah. there's all the talent in the world. And you always hear about how good they are, but it just yeah, it just never really translated to any kind of meaningful scores, and even the big bash kind of thing. But yeah, he's he's definitely looking like he's putting his best well, forward in this you storm. You only need a certain set of skills for for big bash. You don't need. Yeah, but the persistence. The Sixers don't the, have any of those <laughs> skills. They just they have they have the skill of not putting a price on their wicket and getting bold for low scores or amazingly yeah. high scores. <laughs> yeah, just so we're clear, I'm not a huge fan of twenty. Well, <laughs> <laughs> nor, nor am I in theory, but I, I just like the kind of entertainment value. I, I like what it's doing for our game. I like that it's uh, it's appealing to a wider audience, I suppose. But it's it's, it's just not. It's keeping the monopoly uh, of cricket. I, I, I want to go strong. and watch the game. One of the things that really irks me about it, we're getting off topic again, but 
I hate it when you go and watch one of those games and in between every ball there has to be some kind of Adam's family like or yeah. like like or what's the other the musical one? this dancing hey! oh, yeah the Deo thing yeah what, what even is that that's what? Freddie Mercury it's come like, on you know that oh uh, but but the, he doesn't they don't quite do it right because like it, when, oh, could when you Freddie imagine Mercury, the royalties they'd have to yeah, pay Queen yeah, yeah, yeah. if it was actually Freddie Mercury yeah like, like no, I get, go, yeah, go, go hard or go home. Well, if you haven't <laughs> told by the you know, ten and a half episodes that you've listened to us, we're quite definitely test match fans. Purists. We're purists. We're traditionalists. So yeah, some of the the brashness of twenty twenty flies in the face a little bit. But I'm sure there were plenty of our contemporaries in the sort of late seventies eighties that sort of felt the same about one day cricket. Yeah. So something we're gonna to have to get used to. It's obviously a great economic boom for the oh, game. It's great. Don't get me wrong. Like, like I say, you know that that. Cricket, cricket's in Australia is the summer sport, and BBLs just enhance that in a lot of ways. Yeah, it, it sort of rounds off that package that um, Cricket Australia offers. Yeah. Um, anyway, back to the one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so another big game from there, uh, Tasmania had a great game against Victoria, who are the favourites heading into this tournament. They managed to knock Victoria over for um, about... I think 180, 184, and then they were cruising. They were four for 170, and then they lost. They were all out six for 12, I think, and got... Ben McDermott made some runs. He got 76 opening the batting, Ben McDermott. Actually, cycling back, that first game um, where Victoria conceded to a 380 to uh, Western Australia. Yeah. Um, Will Sutherland, who's the son of one of the, uh, I think it was the former CEO of Cricket Australia, um, James. James Sutherland. So it's his son. He's had a rap, big raps on Will Sutherland for years, and he's unfortunate to deal with quite a few injuries. Came out, posted the worst one-day domestic figures, I think, ever, yeah. or the third worst ever, something like that. It was one for 102. Really, really tough day for poor Will. But what a lot, and he's only in his late teens, nineteen, maybe twenty at the outside. Came back for this game against um, against Tasmania. He's batting at seven or eight, maybe. Um, he scores a fifty out of one hundred and eighty to really sort of actually put a score on for for Victoria, yeah. and ended up um, taking two for forty. So a really good, you know, yeah. really bounce back from a really Bobby hard game. Hit. Bold is full 10. And, yeah, and right. to be fair to the bloke as well, he, you know, he, he didn't do the whole Rashid Khan and not bowl his last over and not get the record. He, he, he's, they stuck with him for the full 10. Yeah, exactly. That's good work. Like, he's, like, I'm getting my name up in lights now. For me, sometimes as good as, as being famous. Yeah. Really good to see from a teenager, though, that's been battling injuries and it's his first proper run out with his state side. Cops are pizzling in his first game and bounces back and digs his team out of a hole. And then bowls really well, so great to see. Well, it must have been a bit of a road too. Oh, it, high absolutely. scoring game. Um, some other big names coming out of there that I'm excited. Uh, Max Bryant. Uh, anyone who watched the Big Bash last year would have seen him opening the batting for the Heat. Um, threw his hands with a lot of stuff. Really hard hitting opening batsman. Um, he's had a promising start to his quam, his 
Queensland career this one so he's one to keep an eye on Renshaw's in the runs yeah Renshaw and Joe Burns are in the runs so that's um, good oh, to see oh Joe Burns he's got two unbeaten 50s I believe in a row so yeah. hopefully that puts him in good stead so we can see him I feel vindicated what are, what are your guys feelings again about him being in the like opening in test cricket is it do, do I, you have strong feelings I would, I would I would at the moment I don't even need to see Sheffield shirt I would be picking Joe Burns to open the batting at the Gabba yeah. he would be I think we're all I think we're all pretty Pretty unanimous on that one. Is yeah. he's um he's, he's a guy who's very highly rated by this podcast and approved. Stamp of approval well, by two I, slips in a go. I, I would love to see Renshaw get back in there too. I, I think he looked like he had that gritty technique that no one has now. You know, he, he was. It's a lot. To more, we, he looks a lot like he, Matthew Hayden when he's being aggressive as well. Yeah, so yeah, when you're talking Langer and Hayden, they're actually kind of quite similar. Those two, I think, in a lot of ways is. Joe Burns is probably more of the hitter in that situation, I think. But um, they're, they're two like they're very similar builds. Matty Renshaw is this kind of big, you know, he can he can kind of play a length ball quite well because of his stature, but he can also kind of knuckle under and fight quite well. And Joe Burns has just got like he's just he's got so much talent. He's got so many. Um, his offside game is just immaculate for well, me. This is a big spring for any opening bat, any player that could potentially open the batting for Australia. Um, because yeah, Warner. Well, I think Warner, unfortunately, Warner is there unfortunately only, probably only, going to there's be there's only one spot available this summer. But. but the other one is wide open, so those players I think really need to. There's, there's nothing you can do about it though. Like it's it's like the shield was ages ago. Like you, you've just got to wait till someone gets injured and just just yeah, keep which, knocking which down. Which was the fair door. enough in the late nineties, early thousands when. Genuinely, it was like these guys are talented. You know that even if they get a couple of bad scores at Test cricket, you still know there's a lot of talent behind them, and they've yeah. backed that up with a full body of work. But yeah. you currently these guys that are sitting there at the moment, uh, you know, just relying on the fact that they did something a while ago, and their you know their shield body of work isn't backing them up. Uh, another thing coming out of this, uh, Jai Richardson or Jahai Richardson. I <laughs> <laughs> want to read his name. He's um, coming back from injury through um, through this tournament. So he had a uh, not a fantastic showing in his first game. So he'll be looking to put uh, put some overs in, get some hard work done leading into the Shield season. You know, put his name up for a recall. I think at the moment the way the selectors are looking, that there is a possibility to put your foot in and get that third quick. I'd say that Hazelwood and Cummins have got that those two fast bowling spots down. But the way they're looking at it, Stark's not. You know, in the good books at the moment, he's been rotated out. Siddle, you'd have to imagine's, you know, not he's, really going to get a. He's probably bowler, he shouldn't so. get a home summer. They've probably picked him because of his county form, so he's probably not going to get in. And James yeah. Pattinson didn't set the world alight over in the Ashes, so he's probably yeah, not think, a lot. I think you're right. I think it's a bold off for that third spot. So if anyone gets in and takes like some, think so, take yeah. some, make some real noise. I'd like to think that Stark's probably going to get that run if he bowls well in Shield. I think it's he probably a deserves quick it. Quick bouncy decks, but know. it's not locked in, so you've got to put make him work for but, it. But make he him has hungry. to show some improvement, you know. Like we can't we can't keep picking can't guys just, because yeah. we need to pick an all rounder as well. Like, you yeah, know, yeah. It, 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 there's too many you know provisos to them being in the team. Speaking of all rounders, though, our favourite all rounder, Jimmy Faulkner. He's back playing list A cricket for the first time in quite a while. Took yeah. a couple of wickets. Didn't bat very well. My Unfortunately, second. he sparks oh, that collapse. Must have, <laughs> must have. Yeah, the finisher. The finisher he's, didn't he's, quite he's get just, there. But he's choked. 
Great to see him back in that Tasmanian squad. So I'm hoping he goes from strength to strength. I feel like... He's a lot younger than I thought he was. I feel like he got dropped into the boulevard of broken dreams because he he played one test and did pretty well. He batted at three in that test as well for one of those innings, chasing some runs. I was a fan of Jimmy Faulkner. You know, I think after that England game where he just snatched victory out of the door. What I will will say about Jimmy while we're going is... He's adapted himself quite well. If he, he, you know, we'll allude to this later on, and probably might be a bit of a spoiler alert. But he's a, he's a lot like a Nathan Bracken in a lot of ways for me personally. Is that he's kind of adapted his game very well to the short form, and that he's got a lot of changes, and he's definitely working on his. Well, I mean, drop drop the drop it now. Is um he's he's been in the nets very for a very long time, and uh and worked on his change ups yeah, he's, he's got he's got, he's got a lot of, he's got a lot of back of the back of the hand bowling and he's got a lot of you know yeah, he's perfected his limited overs craft and and largely to his detriment of his extended red ball career yeah. he's sort of got himself pigeonholed as a white ball specialist and then has upset yeah, the apple cart yeah. and got himself out of the white ball game if you're is, a cynical person you might say he's gone where the money is but i think he's just literally he's been kind of for whatever reason, he's been blanked out. I think it's just because of probably 5K's difference in pace or maybe 10K's difference in pace is that he was just zoned out of that test team and so he's just worked on his one days. A lot of I think might have to do is that he's probably a touch overrated with the batting. He had a couple of really good hard-hitting knocks where he had to go after it and we've sort of gone, oh, he's an all-rounder. I tend to think he's a he's probably a bowler that can yeah. bat a bit. I actually think he's probably one of those genuine, like those all-rounders who was... Probably on his day, his batting's excellent, and on his day, his bowling's excellent. He's kind of very level with his bowling. Kind of a tough style. He's not going to yeah. average. Yeah, exactly. I think you're overselling him a bit. I think on his when he's really on, he'll win a game for you with the bat. But the difference between a good day with the bat and a bad day with the bat for Jimmy Faulkner is huge. Whereas the think, difference between a good day with a ball and a bad day with a ball is not so much. So I think he's his primary skill set is a bowler. But yeah. I don't think he's but quite good enough to be a number six batsman in a test side mm. or a, or a middle order batsman in a one day yeah. side. But a lot of that's and not, as well. And he's not a good enough bowler that you'd pick him just a bowl. So because you kind of got the Cameron White kind of conundrum. Yeah. But you talk mm. but you talk about the cruciality of like that number seven in test cricket. I think it'd be a lot easier for him to make that transition than what he does in actually in the short form where he's batting at six or seven a lot of times and it's either dig us out of a massive hole. Or, or finish the innings, finish off the innings kind of, or, or you, yeah, you know, add some extra runs, and you know, so it's. I think it definitely his stats wouldn't back up how talented he is with the bat, and I think it might have translated to a longer form where he can actually bat for a long time because he's definitely yeah, got think, the shots. He's, I think like, he's, he's, his cover he's drive certainly is starved for opportunity because remember, we've got to remember that while a lot of the Shield games are are happening. James Faulkner is playing one-day cricket for Australia for the bulk of the prime of his career, so he hasn't actually had the opportunity to go and apply himself and. Yeah, exactly. That's right. But I do think that when you, even when we've watched him play in the Big Bash or watched him play one day cricket for Australia, we can certainly see that you know, there are days where we're expecting Faulkner to come out because we've seen those those knocks where he's you know scored big and he'll come and just do something really silly and get out. And so I think he's he's an inconsistent yeah, yeah, yeah. batsman. But you've got the pressure of the uh, of finishing the innings. Like I, yeah, I'm yeah. not writing him off, but I think when you're looking at it on balance. His bowling is certainly well ahead of his batting, and I just think that's what's played him out. Is well, our selectors yeah. don't see him as a, a we want we want a flint off a guy that'll average forty ish with the bat and bowl well, and I, I don't think, think that's the all rounder that full quite managed that. He was mid to high thirties, so yeah, somewhere around yeah, that. Right. So it, it was a long dry period where he wasn't batting very well, and I think they kind of 
heard his average a, a lot was I think it was like probably post that really that summer in yeah. Australia I think it was mid 30s and then just sub 30 then, with the ball and then a few but a few really good. that's that's still good stats but I don't, really I don't think wins. James Faulkner is that calibre of player though like, I think, he, I think and, that's, and that's the thing is I think he could have been his first class time. average is just on 30 so with the bat with the bat yeah. so you're looking at that and you're probably thinking that yeah, and like, but like I say, I think I think that that's kind of it. It, it adds if to you a, had a the really, change in emphasis. For him if, was if we had definitely a, not first class cricket, a Quinton de Kock or a Kumar Sangakkara or someone who was a really or an Adam Gilchrist, a guy really who could bat at six. really good wicketkeeper yeah. that could bat at six. Yeah, we probably you could probably handle carrying a guy that has a first yeah. class average yeah. of thirty. Yeah, I was going to say a, and a better bowler than he is a batsman. But I think at the moment we haven't really got that gun batting wicketkeeper, so we're looking for a number yeah, six. But he, batsman but here's a question, here's a question for you as well: Is how much of that actually is him trying to stay in the Victorian team as well? Tasmanian team. So, sorry, the Tasmanian team is that he is hung, hung around, you know. Plain shield cricket, so that he stays, gets a contract, and gets paid. I, I think it's very interesting with these very short form, the short form players, is that you don't have a lot of guys like Glenn Maxwell nowadays who know they have a talent. They hang around in these in these short long form setups, so they genuinely want to play Test cricket. And I'm not saying that this is Jimmy Faulkner's case, but it'd be interesting to see if there, if there are guys like that who just generally hang around. They, you know, literally just that extra man in the shield team playing first class cricket just because they get that money as well as the shield cricket money 2020 money and stuff like that I can't speak to James Faulkner's preferences but I haven't seen anything that makes me think that he has no interest in playing test cricket for Australia I, th- I think the writing's on the wall from him as well to a large extent well Adam Stamp is not there so I <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've laughed at my own joke I always do <laughs> uh, yeah so moving on I think it's, it's only a couple of games have happened so far. Um, so, some really exciting. I'm really excited to see how some of these players turn out. You got Jack Edwards, um, all rounder, 18 year old. He had a really good 80 opening the batting for a lot, um, a lot of hype around the Edwards boys, isn't there? Yeah, well, I think more Joe Jack than Mickey. Mickey, I think, just an honest, hardworking bowler, but he hasn't sort of really sort of shown anything there. Last, they're not going to get selected because of their haircuts. <laughs> The, so personally, I like their haircuts. And yeah, they're, and they're from but the North Shore as well. Uh, a bit of, bit well, of poshness going on yeah, there. But they're surfies, you know. Like, <laughs> you've got to assume that they're. they're I don't they're, know. They're paradoxes. Yeah, they are. You know, you, you kind of think of your, your surfie as your bum. You know, like nice. you, you penniless. You know, kind of, <laughs> but you know. They're well, rich. they might be surfies. They certainly are. Well, Jack certainly is. A lot to like about what he can offer at 18 and some of the shots that he was playing in the, he the Marsh. 18? He's only 18 and he had a really good JLT Cup last year. I think yeah. I'm going to go with that. The JLT yeah. One Day uh, Cup last year. What does that stand for? I, I don't know. I could Google Justin it. Justin Langer. I'm pretty, sure Trademarked. The, I'm pretty sure it was called the Laramie Cup. <laughs> I, I just, I, I, and then this, and the then this cup is starting again. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Go ahead. So yeah, so he's, he's gone back to back. He's had a pretty impressive one-day cup last year. He had an indifferent big bash, and then he's having another good start to his one-day cup. So and at 18, he's had some really clean striking of the ball, a lot like um, Josh Phillippe. He's, they're aggressive players, so good, he went, clean strikers. When he made that 150 last year in Shield, he was 17. Yeah. Right. Yep. That's pretty nuts. 
And he's a seam up all rounder as well. Doesn't bowl. He's not a like a first. Like he's not in the main bowling setup for them. There's plenty okay, of so options. He's like a, what Greg Blewett level medium pacer. Or I, I haven't, seen, I haven't seen enough of him bowl to be honest. He, but I would be he saying hits one twenty. He doesn't look like he's got that extra gear where he can go up a bit further. But yeah, he's, he's well, hitting one twenty. Kind of get in the net. Pretty. Oh, I, don't, I don't think so, honestly. Man, I, I'm stop, stop I, surfing. I, I think I think we all like a, one, a, a bowler who doesn't necessarily bowl express and kind of thinks about where he bowls. And I guess Jason Holder kind of player. Just some of the yeah, bowl. Just stay in the net. So there's, there's a job to be had to be that sort of fifth, fifth or sixth bowling option in a one day international setup where you just throw you with a few overs and you're only going to go for a handful of runs. So you can then keep overs in the bank for your um your strike bowlers at the end. Yeah. So. There's also like about that if he can come in and open the batting and be a, a, a genuine opener. The next gen- you got to got to be excited about the next generation of Absolutely. international we, players. That's something that Australia has done very very well for a long long time. Is we own that World Cup. That World Cup belongs to us. We just rent it out for a few years yeah. at a time. Yeah. We, we've we've won blips. what four of the last well four of the last six now. Um, but one thing we do really well is we. <laughs> it seems confusing to us on the lead up to a World Cup, but we usually have got our stuff sorted heading into the World Cup. Yeah. We might be like blooding guys yeah. left and right, and you're like, "Where is the consistency?" Yeah, Australia always Remember, Brendan seen... Dory? remember <laughs> that guy? We had thousands of guys. <laughs> they just throw one day caps at everybody, but yeah, they yeah. always seem to plan four years out, and they managed yeah. to get it. They managed to get it together. In time for yeah. the World Cup, we don't, I mean, we, only... we don't put a high price on individual series. Whereas you know you've got you've got like Indian teams that just they pride themselves on winning every single series five 0 or if they don't, it's close enough. Or it's you know it's it's a lot of consistency over those four years. But we just kind of we yeah. throw it around and then come the last six yeah. months, we've got a team sorted that we know when it comes is going to go to the World Champions Cup. Trophy. We just kind of put up a joke team. <laughs> we, we do back that our, our natural ability as a nation will get us through a lot of those. So at the end of it, we'll still have a, a pretty decent one-day record, despite yeah. the fact that but we have we've probably given players a go that shouldn't have. And in the, in the last few years, our talent base hasn't been there. So it's and it's shown up in our one-day international uh, yeah. results where we have we've. You know, we Australia as, as Australians, we went in expecting to make a World Cup semi final at the absolute worst. But if you look at our track record leading into that World Cup, we probably didn't like uh, a more realistic expectation could have been to miss the semis altogether, um, such as the inconsistency that we had. So yeah, Australia yeah. sort of is prepared to bite the bullet and lose a few one days to really get a good yeah. grasp and get a good pool of players and have a good look at them so this is you know four years out you guys like um, Edwards will be 22 so starting to enter at the prime of his career yeah. um, Philippi is being looked at he's you know 21 yeah. 22 so he'll be in his yeah. mid 20s and, and he was hitting his prime intentions as well <laughs> <laughs> hashtag 90s reference <laughs> 90s <were> better <laughs> Um, yeah, so there's just a bit of just a bit of interest. We'll keep an eye on the um, on the the Marsh Cup as it continues. You might hear a few sort of you know snippets here and there from us about some standout performances as the tournament goes on. But yeah, there's a lot of a lot of really highly ranked youngsters in the um, in the one day setups that I'm personally excited about. And I'm also personally excited about them because I'm, a, I'm an avid fantasy sports. Yep. fan and um, well, we that... hold a, a fantasy big bash tournament so this is sort of like a dress rehearsal to see who's putting their hands up to maybe get a gig in the big bash teams and I'm paying close attention because I need to be savvy where I spend my money that's the big one BBL 
fantasy every year. Let's uh, see how we go. I mean, you've got your favourites from that, and that's uh, these are the guys that I want. I'm interested in seeing is like your Darcy Shorts and stuff yeah. like that. And that's that's really why yeah, I Darcy this Shorts. So it's really interesting to see how guys. Hoping Patterson and Pattinson, I should say, gets a bit of a run. But I think they might wrap him in I'm, cotton wool for the Sheffield Shield season. I'm happy for Pattinson to kind of sit out this short-form guff and him just to focus on being a I think Pattinson's the kind of guy that, as long as he's not injured, he's a guy that needs to keep bowling, keep that consistency up. Oh, Pattinson, sorry. Pattinson. I was, I, you see, you corrected oh, yourself, but I was kind of like... Yeah, Pattinson. I don't want Patterson to bowl. I want Patterson to score lots of runs. What about Banjo Patterson? He hasn't released a... Like a good piece of work in quite a long time. What's his deal? Have to look well, him up, was, see what he's doing. He was born in Orange. Really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so there's plenty of digression in that one. So I suppose uh, we'll get into our next segment coming up, which is as Glenn has quite elegantly dubbed it, the Boulevard of Broken Dreams. Yeah. All right, so into our next segment here. I mentioned a little bit at the top. Uh, I thought we'd just play... we talk about some players who just had a lot of talent. Clearly had a lot of talent. But for one reason or another, their test records are not good. Like, even if they, they did find their place in the team and, and had a sustained career, they just kind of just didn't quite live up to their potential. So, uh, the prime example... I had was Graham Hick. Just we'll just start with some of his stats here. In test matches, he averaged thirty-one point three two, and he's just a better player than that. You know, uh, I'm old enough to have seen him play. You know, got found out by Warren a little bit in that '93 series when he first came out. You know, like everyone remembers Gadding getting bowled, and then you know Richie Beno always says, "Oh, he bowled a better ball to Graham Hick." two overs later and it got edged to Mark Warwick slip yeah. um, and that was kind of really his announcement but um, yeah 31 you wouldn't really be happy with that unless you were an all rounder at test level when you look at his first class that's the it's really shocking what the big difference yeah, is yeah exactly uh, hang on I'll get his first class up I'm not doing this from memory using me phone his first class test <laughs> They're quite incredible because he, like I was just reading, he had an, a, a span. He f- played his first first class match in 1983. Um, that was a long time ago, and he only he played his last first class match in 2008. So years ago, <laughs> yeah. So he's he's currently 53 years of age, so he's still playing first class cricket at 42. At, at 42. And I don't know who do, who can do the maths on how old he was in '83 when he started. Forty-two. You guys do that. You guys do that math at home. <laughs> well, he was pretty young. He was pretty young. Um, he had a, so, a full career. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, he played 500 first-class matches. Had an average of 52.23. Now that's including. Surely he must have like dropped away a little bit as he, he got older. Yeah, when he's when he, like that includes his his mediocre test um, scores as well. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because first class and yeah includes that. He made a hundred and thirty six hundreds and a hundred and fifty six fifties. 
if you get the chance to watch old footage of Graham Hick, it's kind of like watching old footage of a Mark Warnings, you know. He had that style. He had every shot in the book. I think he'd just often, you know, get found out or get himself out. He's a bit taller than Mark War, so he'd tend to uh, play off the front foot a lot more, hit through the line, that kind of style. So, had all the talent in the world and just, you know, comes up with a test average of 31. I think England would have been a little bit disappointed in that, you know, seeing this young guy dominating first-class cricket. He scored a 405. That's his highest score. 405 not out. England have got a few players in that bracket. One of the players that I was uh, came up with when we did the research for this one was Mark Ramprakash, who had a similar Mm. spanning career, 87 to 2012. He scored 35,000 runs at 53 first class level. Yeah. And then when he gets to Test cricket, he's only only averages 27, and there's you know there's a, a startling differential between his outputs yeah. when he steps up to the next level. I mean, he's, he ended up with, with two test hundreds mm. at 27. And then when you go back to his first class level, in 400-odd games, he's got 114 hundreds and 147 fifties with a top score of 300 not out. Yeah. And this guy comes out and, like, there are bowlers that have comparable averages to his test average at 27. Like, what's mm. Vernon Philander's average? That would have to be... Close. That'd be close if I'm not. I'm pretty sure Mitchell that. Johnson has a better average than that. Yeah, yeah. With the bat, um, um, it's just it just seems to be a thing with the English players is that they like, just around that era. Sorry, it would be you know around that nineties era. It's just they they seem to just have a beaten mentality. They just couldn't get to that level and believe that they were players that deserve to be at that level. Like it's, it's just well, there were really really very much. good teams around that time, like. Remember, like, South Africa at that time, around about the time where Ramprakash is in his prime, and, and Hick, too, probably. Hick was a bit older. But, you know, they're rolling up with a with an attack that has Sean Pollock in it, a guy with a very good record. White Lightning. Uh, White Lightning, Alan Donald, you know. I mean, probably the greatest... Well, now that the Stain's retired, you know, probably the second greatest fast bowler that... South Africa have ever had, or you could argue that he's on a par, you know, like that was... Not only that, then they've got the West Indies coming over and the... Mm. You know, the West ones. Indies weren't they're 100% the then, they were on the town turn, but they still had Ambrose Walsh, they still had Ian Bishop when he was fit, you know, that's three guys who... The concerning thing about that is too, that both Hick and Ramprakash have gone on to be batting coaches, so they're obviously quite <laughs> technically sound yeah. players, it's not like... Mm. You know, they didn't have like a gimmicky technique that well, they just beat up on poor attacks at first class level and then got found out. Like these are guys that were pretty technically sound. It's that old but it's, not just, it's not just um, English players though. When researching this, found a couple of other ones. Um, one was actually one of our favourite players from our own backyard, Michael Bevan. Yeah. Might surprise few people considering his um, heroics in the in the in the pajamas as they've been done yeah, yeah the canary yellow that is Australian green he's and gold. one of our favourite sons in ODIs he has a first class average of 57 which yeah. translated in you know a, a bit of a stop start career yes but he ended up getting um, quite a bit of a run at it uh, I think it was 20 odd matches and he ended up averaging yeah. 29 so there's a yeah 29 there's an almost 30 run drop off there but like like I said to you he in those matches he was actually being picked as an all rounder as an all rounder like as a 
Yeah, a guy who batted at six or seven and bowled his left arm spin. And he did that really well for a while. Yeah, cleaned up, got a, managed to get a 10-wicket match in I, one I of those think, games. I remember the articles at that time. People were saying that he was, he was cleaning up the tail, which he was. But people forget that you've still got to take those wickets. And if you... If you've got a team where you get them six out and you can get them all out with one guy, you pretty much take it if, you, if the guy's contributing a little bit with the bat too. Look at arguably what Stark's career has kind of been built on for a long time is but, mopping up that tail. Yeah, if I remember rightly, um, Bevan struggled against the short pitch ball and the express pace. Yeah, which, that was some notes that I'm looking back at his career. And, yeah. you know, obviously, I was pretty young for... Most of Bevan's test career, but yeah, it was that he, the short ball is what he really struggled with, which was what was really surprising because he was a really confident back foot player in mm. one day, in the one day well, set. That's true, but they they also at that time um, it was I think illegal to bowl even one ball above the shoulders in ODIs. You had to have it below the shoulders. Or you might have been allowed one. So he didn't actually get... As many at him. As many at him. And, and in tests, he yeah, he had to deal with that. And he just kind of hmm. hadn't before, I guess. I mean... I just suppose it was a bit surprising. I mean, Scotty, you brought up Lance Klusner while we were sort of doing some research for that. These are players that have shown that they're in that calibre of... Like, they're, they're definitely international standard. They're not guys that have just picked on poor attacks and then when they get to international level get found out they've been elite players at international level for ODI cricket and then Klusner is another guy that you pointed out is um yeah he just he never kicked on he's, he's like I mean it's, it's hard to say with Klusner Klusner was a lot closer like you say as but he was I more think, of a genuine all-rounder, so his, well, his batting stats was, aren't as... There's not a, as big a difference, but... It's um, really funny, because uh, Klusner played so many different roles for um, South Africa. Yeah. I think he was opening the batting at one point as a as that kind of dasher. Um, then he was the and, finisher. Yeah, and then he's the... Yeah, and he was... I mean, he was always bowling, but he, even at the end, I feel like he might have got injured. And couldn't bowl, and they were still picking him as a as that hard hitting batsman. Mm-hmm. Ben Stokes almost. So what are his um, what are his stats at Test so level? Bowling or batting? I remember him more as an at, ODI player. At, his batting stats were he, he averaged thirty two point nine, so it's not horrible batting as far as I think. You, I think you, he averaged forty two. You're comparing these guys to the top level as well, which is yeah. fifty fifty five. Let's take that as a benchmark. So that's not that great in that regard. And he averaged forty two point seven in first class. So it's not as it's it's a ten run swing as opposed to thirty odd run, which was yeah. Bevan. And like we said, Klusner was far more of a genuine all rounder. He was an all rounder, yeah, yeah. Whereas Bevan, you you would ideally also, looking back at it with rose coloured glasses you'd pick Bevan as the top order batsman you wouldn't have picked him as an all rounder yeah, we, like had, a, we had a batting line up that was so impenetrable for players to get into that they just yeah. sc- tried to squeeze him in as that all rounder these guys as well though I compare I also I couldn't help but compare their body of work to what they could do in the ODIs and the roles that they seem to be there and they just seem to have very clearly defined roles they they, you know, they either be bash crash hitters or they'd be guys who finish. Or they, you know, they they can do things. Their technique was so adaptable. It's just so funny to me that these well, guys couldn't translate that into really good, proper test cricketing. I, I think it's a bit sad too that 
the Bevan role, the Bevan style of, of finishing and in innings is kind of dying, probably due to 2020 cricket. And, and I think also due to the fact that the boundaries aren't as far out you know, the, the ropes are coming in. Yeah, there was, like, there was a certain skill of it. The bats, the bats are getting thicker. Playing you know. that long innings and, the last, and the last grafting guy I can really it with remember. twos and threes. The, yeah, the last guy I saw that I could, I, I could really remember doing that was like a Mike Hussey. Yeah, Hussey. He, he, he properly just kind of, that. you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, oh, I'll get myself, like I know the boundary's coming at some point, like a Glenn Maxwell kind of style. It was properly... Every ball turned the strike over. Singles. Yeah. And, you know, arguably one of the best players to play ODIs and Ricky Ponting was exactly the same mindset. It was just literally don't you there's no you can't have dot balls in your in your repertoire. You need to find a way to get off strike, you need to be able to turn the strike over really quick. It wasn't necessarily the best thing to watch at the time. Like you'd much rather watch an Australian bowling innings when these guys are on as opposed to a batting innings, but um, for, for the highlights I, I, personally. I honestly didn't but um I didn't really understand everyone's gripe with the one day, like the 50-over game. It, it doesn't have the broad appeal that, of, of a big bash crash hitter, which is what, obviously, people love about the game nowadays. Yeah, the instant gratification well, of seeing like, a boundary. But, sort um, of... I, I get tired of the ball just sailing over the fence. I mean, like, sixes are so easy to hit now. It's just, it kind of and, gets and that's, boring for and, me. And you're right. That's why we don't see that style of finishing, because you sort of, you know... It, it you takes just, a lot you just of watch those run chases, it. keep it manageable, and we'll, if we have it, make sure within 10 runs and over for the last well, eight well, overs, well, then no. we'll just hit out and we'll get there. It's sort of with the you know, the fielding restrictions and the boundaries coming in and the big bats and all that sort yeah, of stuff. It's like, oh, I'll just swing hard, and sometimes if it comes off the top edge, it'll go for six anyway. And that, that skill at keeping it, at, you know, I need to hit the gap and get two here, and if I get it yeah. in this gap, there's a one, and then... Yeah. He'll get off strike, and then I can. Oh, there's a there's my boundary ball, and you play no real dangerous shots, and you've all, all of a sudden got eight off that over. Yeah, Bevan and was just in those, brilliant at it. In those days where two fifty was a like a, yeah. you've probably won the game with two fifty. And yeah. there's and there's two really for, for me in in my mind when I'm thinking about this like now, I reckon my brain. There's two really close innings to that that I can think of in the modern context, and the last one is well, sorry, not not the last one, but the, the one that is. The best one for me personally was um, big shout out to our the boy we mentioned before and the, like earlier in the Marsh Cup part was um there's a Jimmy Faulkner that that massive chase that he did where it was just everyone I remember just like watching it, it was proper like you could feel his history being made and you know what but I, even I, that Faulkner innings even uh, we love that Faulkner innings we we nearly we were out at uh, out of the local drinking establishment we were getting ready to move on to the next drinking establishment and then. Faulkner hit a couple of sixes, so we sat back down because, you know, we were nine down, chasing 80 to win. I'm like, we're not going to win this. Let's move on. And Faulkner's hit those two sixes, and we've gone, well, let's just sit down and see how it yeah. goes. Yeah, there's a poor guy trying to play music. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> like, the whole bar sort of just was seeing what was happening. And every time there was a boundary, the crowd, the, the, the people in the bar was like, were cheering, and the guy was like, Which, I'm trying to play here, and... No one no, gave him the time of day. He wasn't getting a look in. So he, he had to pull up stumps and, and yeah. wait until the game was finished before he could get back and play his set. But even that innings that we all love so much, that was still not like grafting innings. He just sort of got to the point where it's like, well, I've got to go for it. There's yeah. 80 to get. Mackay at the other end is not really going to help me out too much. So there was a lot of just swinging for the fences. They get bowling yeah, length balls and foot. The, the worst batsman he was batting with was Clint Mackay, and he was batting at 11. 
Like, other than that, he was batting with genuine kind of... But he, can, didn't, he didn't need to kind of necessarily hog the strike and didn't need to... But he, he scored he, most of those runs. Like, oh, yeah, we were still in 80 to win when he was there, so there was a lot of... But he knew he had time as well. I mean, he knew he, if he could be sensible about it, he could get through. And oh, yeah, got through to the last the, over. The so. deliveries weren't an issue. He just he knew he needed to start knocking them off because he wasn't going to get any help from Mackay. So there yeah, wasn't yeah, that yeah, sort yeah. of... I suppose that's were, the, the modern equivalent of the Bevan, Bevan yeah. innings. It was a, still the, amazing to watch, but it was yeah. still very and, much and then the other force as opposed to finesse in that innings. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. The, the other one, the other one that I was thinking of as well, and it, and it is it is very much just a bash crash in the modern context is um, that Marcus Stoinis one where he fell short, unfortunately. Quite yeah, right that close on to day end. was a debut for the ODI team where he scored. Oh, it was, very, it was his debut yeah, series, or at least his debut overseas series, definitely where he was playing in New Zealand and scored a one fifty, well, pretty close, yeah, close to, to it and, with um. Uh, he'll, uh, it was sorry, I don't know. It was um, right at, at the other end was um, Bumbly Joe. Yeah, well, <laughs> Josh Hazelwood up the other end. Sorry, was, uh, was um, batting with him and he got running out really like really late. And it wasn't even like you know Hazelwood was just literally like oh you can you can get me on strike there. Hazelwood was batting quite well. He was I think he, he I think he scored about three or four runs off about thirty balls just blocking out yeah. while they're trying to get him out. And he Remember was, uh, Hazelwood used to open. He used to open was he open or did he back for through? his district for his club team? <laughs> oh, look, was... I, I love how they wheel that out every time we're about to be beaten. Yeah, got well, Josh collapse. Hazelwood's no mug. He used to open for his district yeah. side. Like, yeah, and Mitchell Stark like Mitchell used to, Stark be used to keep. Yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it doesn't matter what you did when you were a junior. Your body's telling you what you need to do when you when you grow up. <laughs> Oh, so yeah, so some other batsmen I think will bring it up. We'll keep going. I don't want to just we're only name well, three before, or four. Before we jump in, um, I'll, I'll go to my English guy because um, because oh, yeah. we've got to pick on the English. Actually, really, I'm not, I'm not picking on the English. Yeah, the ashes good. are over, mate. This is. I just think it was genuinely interesting. You know, I, I'm going to group group this in kind of a, an Irish category as well, which is um, Ed Joyce is my is my guy. Yeah, so naturally, because you're uh, looking at English players, you're looking you at you pick someone not foreign. foreign. Well, I, I, yeah, exactly. There's only so many <laughs> genuine English players I can pick from. There was a stat from like two years ago, a series where no, it was the Australian series, the, the last Ashes in Australia, where. They fielded in the first test was a genuinely all English team, <laughs> and they lost. And they picked oh, like um, they they picked uh, Gary well, Balance was in there. I think oh, right, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. guys like that. They just, they just went back to going to international players to get more <laughs> success. Um, but yeah, the, um, oh Ed, Ed, sorry, Ed Joyce is is the first guy talking about. Um, he only played one test to be fair, but he averaged twenty three point five, which I thought was really interesting. And his first class career was close to 50, 48 runs. Averaging, they dropped the ball on that one test, and then but then Owen so Morgan's didn't he, so he didn't play any tests for Ireland. Oh, they weren't a test playing nation at the time. Yeah, well, I think oh, we brushed on. Yeah, 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 and, yeah, yeah. and that, that was that's kind of a big point. Is that I, like I, I wanted to look at him because um, yeah, it would be interesting to see actually how to go on if he was applying his trade for his country in Ireland and. I know well, at the time we the were, boulevard we were, of what could have been dreams. we were just screaming yeah. for an Irish test yeah. team Stuart, Stuart Law was in there too he, he, he would have <laughs> probably been at least a vice captain or a captain for that Irish team and you know might have averaged close to 35 <laughs> um yeah well yeah. what could have been if the ICC had got Ireland into gear a little bit earlier oh yeah we just yeah. advocates we, we have team. talked about that I feel like they yeah. finally listened to us <laughs> they never heard us but they finally listened to us um, so having a look at some of the other players that sort of fit in that really good first class career not quite setting the world alight test career boat there's actually quite a few Indian players that I found so one of them mm. currently playing at the moment Rohit Sharma so as we've seen he's got he's kicking around with a uh, 
an average well, just he's got the ODI of, behind him as well yeah yeah, he's another ODI expert so he's certainly yeah. a player that is international quality so yeah. he's kicking around with an average of just under 40 so that's 39 um, yeah. it's got 310 50s in 27 matches so it's you know when he gets going there's um, he's certainly an effective player so he's had 13 innings where he scored above 50 um, but he still yeah. only has an average under 40 but when you look at his first class record that jumps up to 54 as an average so he's certainly good enough to um, yeah. he's got a high score of 309 so 309 it's a good high score <laughs> I wish I made 309 I probably bat for a year and not made 309 <laughs> one day mode uh, so yeah so that's he's a kind of player coming around now that's certainly got that tag of maybe not living up to potential you know Boulevard of Broken Dreams sort of thing if he yeah, doesn't yeah, yeah. Uh, admittedly he's sort of in and out of that um that side. Uh, another player that I found doing a bit of going back in history, I don't know if any of you guys remember um, Raman Lambda? No. He, um, he didn't Is have that a. Like Lambda, Lambda, Lambda. <laughs> yeah, Revenge of the Nerd? Yeah, honey. Yeah. He uh, only managed to get four tests out for, um, for India when we averaged 20, but he had a, a fairly long first class career, over 120 matches, and he averaged 53. Yeah. So again, another guy that's. Well, really when, I, when I think of guys who really didn't quite live up to their potential and you bring up India, I think of Yuvaraj Singh. Like, that guy had a lot of talent. Did you see some of those 2020 uh, knocks that he did? Yeah. That one where he hit broad, He's hit, yeah. broad for the... What was it? <laughs> that was six sixes. Six, six sixes, sixes, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, was, that was in the uh, the 2020 A, a player World that a, all of Australia can get behind the guy who hits Stuart Broad He's for just, six sixes. Hit, yeah, hit, for, hit him for six sixes. That was back when they had the 2020 World Cup every year because they just didn't have deep enough pockets, yeah. you know. Like, it, took, it took Australia about four <laughs> World Cups to realise that we yeah, should start taking mean, it seriously. I mean, I, I, I actually did this sight unseen because I just... Just think of Uvaraj. Um, see if they pass the eye test, Connolly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, first class, he averaged 44.2, which is solid. Strike rate is 62. Uh, in tests, he only managed 33.9. Like, he is more talented than that. Yeah, absolutely. Like, he, he was a wasted talent. I don't know do, what do happened to him. Do you think he may him. have been sort of... Like, I know he had some health issues through the middle part of his career, some pretty mm. serious ones. But do you think that might have been the Michael Bevan effect? He was sort of picked as that all-rounder spot as well. He was asked to, you know, chip in with his off-spin quite a bit. Yeah, possibly. possibly. that well, played into it. Well, but yeah, you're right. The, the, the player we watch playing limited overs cricket yeah. certainly should average better than 33. I remember when he yeah, came out and he was young, and I'm like, oh, man. Especially... You know, you know when you see good young players from the other, from from opposition teams that you don't like it's like oh man I'm going to be seeing a lot of this guy just belting out attack yeah, yeah. and yeah when he first came out I was like yeah he's, he's just going to be a great and he just didn't quite get there you it know was, his ODI stats are good it was a lot more difficult in that late 90s early thousands to kind of get your head around guys you know they, they, they were playing very similar innings from ODIs to test matches a lot of the time where it was still a strike rate of like you, you, you might put twenty or thirty on top of their strike rate from tests to ODIs, but they were still, you know, a guy average, you know, with a strike rate of ninety was still, you know, pretty alarming. So there was, it, it didn't make sense for him to, you know, not be scoring in a similar vein kind of thing. I guess it still kind of added to the fact that the ball was doing a bit less with the with the white ball and stuff like that. But 
Yeah, yeah just yeah, it was a bit mind-boggling for those kind of that era of glass. Right. We got other. I got another victims one. of the boulevard. The, another another um, resident of the boulevard of broken dreams. Um, works in media now, Sandra Mandraker. Yeah, wow. He's got a test career where he averages 37s, got 400s and 950s in basically just under 40 matches. Coming out of a first-class career where he averaged 55 with 3100s. And all things about this guy when he was coming out of it, it, he was obsessed with perfection in his batting technique. Like he, mm. like he want he was hailed as the next um, Sunil Gavaskar coming out so when like he came into this team. Rail driver kind of style. Who, who are other technicians? Ian Bell was mm. a real technician. Yeah, guys that just um, had really like flawless techniques that you could take photos of them and put them in a cricketing manual, and everyone would, you know would be better off for it. But yeah, he just he man, I think he he scored a century against the West Indies in the late eighties at Bridgetown. I think it was maybe where he just looked like looked like he was going to be a world beater. Another he really could come in and go from strength to strength in this Indian side and then that sort of just petered out and nearly ended up with the career that we got where ended up with a mid 30 so a bit of especially when you're coming in hailed as the next son of Gavaskar and that's where yeah. your career gets to yeah well casting our eye in our, our own backyard I, I have to say and this one's not so much about stats I did just read the stats but um, the guy only played four tests so it's, it's hard to establish a full Thing. But um, Cameron White, he just had all the talented talent in the world and just never quite found his place in the side, you know, like in the Australian side. That I just don't think the selectors quite knew what he wanted to be or quite how to use him, you know. He's brimming with talent, handy, uh, like like Kumbay-style kind of leg spin, you know. He... He wasn't the guy who's who's ripping it like McGill or, or Warren, but the guy who had a good top spinner and would just tie you down all day with the ball and with the bat, you know, uh, batting easily in the forties. So he's got ten thousand first class runs yeah. in the forties, and and was made captain of, of uh, Victoria. Victoria, nineteen, I think. Yeah, very young, and you sort of thought, well, they've earmarked this guy; they're going to make use. Of this talent that he has. And he should have played a lot more limited overs cricket for Australia. A lot yeah. more. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, but I, I think he could have been used in tests under the right circumstances. We just looked at him because he was a blonde Victorian that bowled leg spin. So we've immediately gone, oh, let's pick him to bowl yeah. spin in he's, India. He's not and then when it didn't, more, though. Like, and then when it didn't go well, we just put him in the trash heap and went, well, that's one of the spinners we'll never pick again. It's like, he's not a spinner. <laughs> he's yeah, a, yeah. He's a guy who contributes with the ball, you know. Yeah. Like, more like Labochet now. You talk about his bowling went on a recession after that. Like, he was the captain of Victoria and he stopped bowling himself. Yeah, yeah. Like, he was just he like... You talk, about, you talk about 90s nostalgia. There's one one era that I do not miss is the whole spin cycle saga straight after Shane Warne. Oh, 2011 <laughs> Where we through, just went through well, 2007 so through to 2011. What happened and to in that, and in that vein, I'm going to throw out a name which I just, I'd love to mention this guy as much as possible, Jason Crazier. Oh, a guy who yeah. just, he, he, he went, he, like, you, you couldn't imagine a more harsh way to start your career than going to India. And having to... Well, to be fair, it's bowling spin, so it should be theoretically 
slightly enjoyable, but you know, it's it's a it's a young. You well, know, what, I don't know if he quite qualifies for the Boulevard of Broken Dreams. I think he crashed his car into the telegraph pole that's right on that intersection where you turn into it because he got that eight for over in India. I and think then, it was a twelve for. Well, in an inni- uh, eight it, for an innings. He, he took an eight for an innings, and then yeah, yeah. twelve for a It was off two hundred. It scored two hundred runs. Eight for two hundred. I, I, I really like Crazy. I remember. This and then was, we ruined him. We did. He came did. back like no one. Like like I this say, this is one of my big issues with Shane Warne, and, and we've made we've made light of it before in our conversation. He he hasn't been anybody else's Terry Jenner, you know. Yeah, he's, he he's, had that coach. He had that guy who was working with him. And but he hasn't ne- come back and given back to our system. It doesn't necessarily translate to offspin, but yeah, there's definitely... He could have He's contributed not a, a lot more. He hasn't been a teacher. He, he hasn't really tried. He goes, you know, and, you know he, whenever there's a spinner that's on and he's, he, his yeah. media duties allow him, he'll go out and... Yeah. I mean, he, he's not he's, he's not he's, the selfless guy. He's, he's probably still done a bit of work. Like, he's been a captain and a coach of... Um, well, was he? I don't think he's ever coached, but he's captained... In the Melbourne Stars and the the Rajasthan Royals over in the IPL, so I'm assuming he did a bit of work with players over there. Yeah. But um, outside of teams that he's actively involved in, you see or hear very little of Warren coming back and really knuckling in. Like he'll go and give you know 15 minutes of wisdom or maybe a net session here and there. You hear about that, yeah. but you never hear that sort of guardian angel style yeah. mentorship that Terry Jenner offered. I mean, how yeah. many times have we, um, you know, gone <laughs> onto this topic and we make a bit of a light yeah. out of it and we put on the funny yeah, voice. We, we do the Stewie voice, you know, where he's talking about Brian making, writing a novel and he just gradually yeah. gets yeah. a bit higher. Higher, higher. Yeah, yeah we, it's, it's been a... Like, we make fun of it, but it is a bit of a sticking point. Like, this is a guy who was, you know... He was wanted to pursue an AFL career and he was a problem child and he had that... Stupid mullet when he was starting out. Everyone he had was, a you know, he was probably what 15, 20 kilos overweight and all that sort of stuff. And Cricket Australia really put the work in, and he's become a, you know, he's become a legend that I is mean, never going to be forgotten because no. of the hard work that people like Terry Jenner have put in. Well, and he's not going I mean, back he, and he did it too. All credit to him. Yeah, but yeah he wouldn't have been the same bowler without Terry Jenner's countless hours. If, if Terry Jenner did what Shane Warne had done and just. I think he admitted himself as well. Yeah, yeah, if Terry Jenner was more interested in commentating and maybe just poked his head in every now and then, Shane Warne wouldn't have taken a hundred wickets. He would have crashed out of cricket long before then. Well, look at his yeah. debut; he got shoved around, and they but they persevered with him. Like, so arguably to the extent which they didn't persevere with some of these guys well, yeah, during well, the year straight up. I'm glad you brought up Crozier. That's a really good pick because he had the talent, um, and I I saw that he had the talent. But to the point where he was literally, like, his first-class career only lasted 44 games. He, his test career only lasted two games. Yeah. And his first-class career only lasted 44 games. And what were his first-class yeah. stats? His first-class stats are abysmal, actually. Like, he, he doesn't even count because he didn't have that good a first-class career, was he? And he, he had 40... His average was 48 in first class. Yeah, and he yeah. looked good. He looked like... Yeah, yeah, yeah he went he for some runs, everything. but it was in India, and you, you mm. just... And that's it. Like I, mean, I say, it was, a, it was a pretty hard trial, because, you, you know, it's... On the back of Shane Warne, you be like everything you say about a spin bowler was just you, you couldn't mention Shane Bolt, Shane Warne, and a, and a spin bowler. And it just boggles what goes on. You, like you, you wonder from a fan what goes on behind the scenes when you see guys like Jason Crazier that come out and really like they've 
obviously taken a punt on him because they picked him young. He goes out and, yeah, okay, it wasn't. He didn't set the world on fire, but he took 12 wickets for the match against yeah. a team that plays spin really well. <laughs> and he gets he Vivius Laxman through the gate. Yeah. Like with a with with the archetypal off spinners ball. Yeah, exactly. We, and then you see you know, guys like Mitch Marsh that come into the side and haven't ever really had like you know, it took Marsh a long time to actually have show that he belongs here, but he just keeps getting chances. Yeah. And you just why what what happens behind the scenes where a cricket Australia is happy to dump that young promising talent and persist with others? But, and admittedly we all know for the, the specific Marsh example is the fact that he is a fast bowling all-rounder. So that's, he got more chances of that because we, you know, Andrew Flintoff tormented our dreams for years and years where we just we have to have a fast bowling all-rounder somewhere in our 11. <laughs> so he's got extra chances from that. But there have been other players that they've just sort of gone, yep, nope, yep, nope, yep, nope. And then you've got other yeah. ones that just, just seem to stick around like a bad smell and you can't get rid of them. But that for me is like, it just seems to be good marketing because at the end of the day, you can almost at this point yeah. just call Mitchell Marsh a fast bowler or a bowler and it'd basically be the same tagline because he's averaging slightly better than some of our you know Mitchell Stark and guys like that who can you know they can contribute just as much with the bat on certain days yeah. as what he's doing and he just sits there and he says I'm a fast bowler like it, it, it also reminds me kind of a very similar to, similarly to what um the, the released a couple of years ago and was, he even still makes lists nowadays is um Shane Watson is one of the highest paid sportsmen in Australia because he just offers he's, he's an all rounder and it just seems to be this tagline where they just go all rounder and suddenly it just adds a bit more value Watson, to your to Watson your had a bit more claim, claim to all rounder but he's still he's still one of the highest paid athletes in the world you know, because, he, because, because this is like in the same vein as Steve Smith kind of pay he's getting paid as yeah. much if not more because Watson, he just does 2020s yeah and that's because Watson's cashing in big paychecks in the IPL on places like that that's it but to be fair, Watson has had quite a successful limited overs career. Even playing for in the ODIs for Australia, he was quite a successful player. So I think test you know Watson's test career, you can take it or leave it. He promised a whole lot more, and inconsistency and injuries got in the way. But he's, he's short. Just to his short form career. This is, more, was, this is more a point about the fact that these all rounder this all rounder tag seems to add value to a player as opposed to just being an out and out skilled player. Um, I, it's I, not, I'm I, definitely not throwing Shane Watson into yeah, this. I get what you're saying with that, but I think in, in that particular one, Shane Watson has earned those paychecks being quite a, an established yeah, yeah. and successful and limited over. And he probably think, does have a good age. I think there's more marketable players <laughs> yeah. that are great batsmen. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Like you say, he's got, he's got a spectacular agent. That, yeah. I think he's, he's probably one of the... Well, I mean, that's, he, that's he's earning his paycheck works, more, than, more than Wallow is nowadays, arguably. But anyway, getting... But getting back to Crazier, I remember seeing him for the first time. He used to play for New South Wales in the in the one day cup. And I was at uni, I think. I was I was off to get some dinner and they had the one day cup playing, so I naturally sat down and watched it. Um, and there was nothing like New South Wales were well beaten in this game. Oh, I couldn't tell you what the actual game was, but because it was ages ago. But I saw yeah. Like, they brought this spinner on, and I was sort of like, and it was crazier, and I was like, this guy is just going to be lamb to the slaughter. I think they needed, they needed like 14 runs, and they had eight wickets in hand, and they had, I don't know, like five overs to get them. So I'm like, oh, this poor guy is just going to go bang, bang, bang. It's going to be it. And he comes up, and he bowls this over, and 
I'm looking at it and he's getting work on the ball. He's getting that drift that you like seeing in the off spinner. And he beat these guys four or five times. I don't think anyone got like, I think he bowled a maiden. Yeah. Now, who bowls a maiden with in that game situation as a spinner? Yeah. There's nothing in it for him. He bowls a maiden. Just and a I'm real just com- like, this kid, he's a, got something. A real competitor. And I just feel like, yeah, he's a, he absolutely, um, even though his first class stats weren't impressive, I think he definitely lives in this. And I did I did use the example of Crazier, but there was a fistful of spinners at the time. I can't remember why it was exactly the same. And, fistful. Yeah, there's, you know, Nathan Horitz, you know, a lot of guys who could have gone on to have quite good I think Horitz was hardly done by... He was hardly done by, but... Like, I also thought of this in, a, in, a, in the sense that these guys could have gone on to have very full and rich careers, but they just did for, yeah. for different reasons, different reasons. Nathan Horrocks was seen to be a personality reason. Crazier's was... These stats just didn't back up what he was doing after that. One guy that I can think of, and I can probably do this without looking at the stats... Yeah, there's, there's probably a whole neighbourhood of West Indians who had lots of talent and just didn't make it stick at, at um, test level. Adrian Barat. You guys remember that guy? I do. I remember watching that innings. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was, I think, 2006, was it? Yeah, sounds about right. 06, 07. No, that was an Ashes series. Maybe oh, 07, 08. Yeah, yeah, it was around... Yeah, it was around that time. It was that... What it was, it was that same series where Brett Lee hit um, Jared Powell out of the out of the gabba. Yeah. I think it was that it was same. The same it was the um, Dwayne Bravo 100 and Pfeiffer in the series. And, yeah. Yeah, that talk. Well, he came out and no one knew that who, who this guy was and he scored an absolutely beautiful 100, like aggressive... Um, Good time. But it was uh, aggressive against, without being reckless. Yeah, too. yeah. It was against really... an Australian attack that still, you know, it didn't... It, I think Warren and McGrath uh, t- retired by well, now. It was actually um, in that game, the West Indies, I'm pretty sure, followed on. So we knocked them over early and it was the second inning we made them follow on. So clearly it was a, a talented attack because they knocked them all over for peanuts in the first innings and then he's come out in the second innings and just put on his hundred. And we've both... Um, Wow, check this guy out. This is mm. incredible. And he's just sort of faded into West Indian cricket obscurity and we've yep. hardly ever been seen from him again. No, like, I think they persisted with him purely on that innings for a few years because they're like, well, this guy in Australia for a century under all sorts of pressure. And I think just, he made an English tour and then yep. not much after that. He was got a, a one way ticket to the Boulevard <laughs> of Broken Dreams. <laughs> To be we're, fair, we're probably overusing that. We're, we're, we're going to be running a bit long if we spoke, speak about all the West Indian players. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Make that, make that list. Is, Xavier Marshall. You know, the, the boulevard opens up into a marina, which then you catch yeah, a small yeah. yacht to the island where the, the, but, West, Indian yeah. bol- the yeah. West Indian players that didn't live up to their potential. Archipelago. To be fair, it's, a, it's, <laughs> it's um, an interesting neighbourhood. You know, I wouldn't mind living there. But an interesting like, question, though. <laughs> would you throw a guy like Dinesh Ramden in, into that boulevard of broken dreams? Because he had quite a full test career. Mm. But just never really... Like, he, he was, what was his a first, keeper. What were his first class... I'd have to look at his stats to say... His first class stats were... He, he averaged 30. In first class? Yeah. That's, that's good he, for a keeper. And what did yeah, he average in tests? That. 25. 
Yeah, it's got to be. You imagine you're stepping up a grade, so there's going to be a bit of a, a step down. I'd say that's he's probably lived. If thirties, all he's managed playing first I think, class. I think, I think the most interesting part about that for me though is the fact that that it was. This was during an era where Adam Gilchrist was running around, and they didn't try and find just a bash crash hitter. They just they, they focused on getting a keeper who could do a bit. And Randall I, was I think the keeper. cupboard was just bare for West Indies in that era, though. Yeah, and I don't necessarily even think he was that good a keeper. Like their talent is of... now coming back, but back then, you know, I suppose. I mean, the 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 explanation that most people around that that I've heard is that baseball got big. Yeah, um, yeah. The American Sammy, influence. Sammy Sosa, guys, guys like that, kind of yeah. coming from, um, you know, these kind of uh, American-based places that. Mm. kind of you know dreamt of getting going making millions yeah and... but I think now baseball is kind of in decline um, even even in America well so, like I said there's that there's that don't retire early campaign from baseball which is just like people you know kids playing you know junior sport it's, it's a thing everywhere it seems to be is that they're playing junior sport and then they're just not kicking on and playing yeah. adult sport plus the the CPL has probably gotten a bit more interest yeah that'd be interesting and to see the West Indies as well. you know winning a, a T20 World Cup they'd have more kids playing because yeah. of that I, I think, think the Caribbean cool. Premier League is probably adding a bit of glamour to it as well it would be I good to see if um, they could get a you know bit of cohesiveness in their structure and revamp that first class system or at the very least, start looking at maybe sending a couple of their players and getting them to come and play over in like the Rangy Trophy or the or county cricket. And I we've, know been, we've been advocating that for a while. Though. I reckon that's something that probably all sports should. I reckon I it's probably, probably an ICC level thing where they just need to trickle that down. Just be like, you don't want to you be need have, a, you need to have like transfers and scholarships and stuff like that to get guys to go over and just like we'll pay you to go live in. It could be even be like for kids that are like 18, 19, like kind of a... Ideally, kind of you don't want to send your talent overseas. You want to keep them at home and... Just for a year, but, though. But, just for um, a season or whatever. Yeah, just really want to see that West Indies side really kicking into gear <laughs> for... We were inevitably going to get here. In first class, in, in test cricket again. Like, yeah. when yeah. Cricket, yeah. cricket was at his peak... You know, it'd have to be good to have that... You know, right now we have realistically four really strong sides... South Africa, England, even India. South Africa is probably. I'd say I'd probably yeah. put New Zealand ahead of South, South Africa. Africa are definitely in transition because they, yeah, they've, they've lost yeah, a well, lot well, of well, guns. Do they, do they just even quit the box, the captain now? I think it might have been for the tour of the. They've got okay, a, a okay, but yeah, tour. but he's he, they're, they're definitely transitioning in that team because they're, they're changing, they're trying new things, and like, but South Africa's got the potential to be up there. Oh, yeah, but I mean, as a consistently strong nation, not not just right now, but you know, like through the past, you back South Africa. But I'd say four, four, four or five. Right well, New Zealand's on the up and up. There's definitely. It's not like you know. There's, there are guys taking places of other teams. It's it's, mm. it's a cyclical thing. It's not just like yeah. you know we need this team to go well to be considered a great sport. Like there's there's definitely guys that yeah, take spots. I don't know. Like Kane maybe it's just nostalgia that, that we want to see West Indies go well again. 100. We, we will 100%. want to see them well again until they keep beating us at the Frank Wild Trophy. Yeah, yeah, and then we'll be it. like. Well, I miss the times when West Indians were crap. <laughs> That's the nature of Australian sport as well, though, is, is you hate the guys, you want the guys to go well until they start going better than Australians. We want a challenge, athletes. but only a challenge. We don't want to lose. Yeah, we want a challenge that we win in the end. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. That's called being a parochial fan. Absolutely. Um, um, yes. Let's, let's go on another one. You got one more? Got time got for one more? more? You got one in, in mind, Scott? Oh, I might have got hundreds, but um, <laughs> I, 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 I better throw this guy out because um, I alluded to him earlier on in the, 
podcast is Nathan Bracken. I just think he was a guy no, who... No, that's a good call. Didn't probably have quite the test career that... Yeah. But, um, he only, play, he only played five on. tests, and a lot of these guys that I'm throwing out didn't actually quite make the criteria that we made, which was the 10 test cap. But he definitely yeah. had enough of a showing to... He, he had more than one series, let's say. And um, I just think he could. He had a potential. He's a big, tall, left-arm bowler, a bit of point of difference, and just kind of, yeah, just completely changed his style and just said, I'm yeah. going to focus on being a one-day bowler. Yeah, well, I think what he finished with a 40-odd test average for the ball... Yeah. Um, as opposed to 26 for a first-class cricket. Yeah. And then you look at his one-day stats, and he averages 24 with the ball, which he is, is which better, is you know, all-time good. Like he's People don't talk about him now, but he was like the bowling equivalent of our Bevan, really. Yeah, he was a great bowler. Yeah. He was sort of right at, maybe right at the beginning of where one-day cricket really sort of turned into those short boundaries, flat decks. So yeah. he kind of timed his career really well where... Yeah, yeah. Sub 300 scores were still pretty common, um, but not taking anything away, he was he got was that very white, versatile. He got like, that white ball to swing early, and, and then, then he just was, went into the cutter mode. There, there were points. Keeper they, comes up were, to the stumps. Yeah, there were points where they were literally calling him like a a quick off spinner kind of thing. He was just he was literally just bowling a lot of cutting. I don't know if there was a period in his career where he was almost the first guy picked for that. You picked Ricky Ponting, and then you, Bracken was the, the yeah, first guy yeah. you pick. He was. Yeah, real you'd, good form. You'd, you'd tap yeah. Langer and Hayes yeah, on the shoulder and see yeah. if they were available, and if they weren't, you'd be like, oh, "I'll find another opener." Or, no, sorry, it wasn't even Langer. That, that it was, was Hayden and Gilly. Yeah, it was Gilly or Haddon or whoever um, at the time. And then if they weren't available, then you'd just be like, "Sweet." But yeah, Bracken was definitely bloody well, right in, was, in the mix. He, he was on the end in, in tests of that seven hundred that India put on us. Yeah, in the, um, that was, that's a fascinating series, I think. I wouldn't have been great to watch because there was consistently like 500s and, and a, yeah, a 700. They batted for two days and a little bit. Tendilka made 250 and I think it was either Laxman or Dravid. It was, Dra- Dra- it was Dra- always Dra- Laxman or Dravid. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Damn you. The, the second highest run score ever. Scored a few runs in Australia. It's surprising. That, Bro, that's... Dra- um, that that yeah. Indian team was a couple of really good, genuine one forty kilometer per hour fast bowlers from being yeah. from being us. Well, that was in the, in the early two thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. team had batting from go to woe. Like, yeah. I think I think to be fair though as well, I think their fielding was a bit worse. They're, they're, well, they're good batsmen. Tendulkar was a very good slip fielder, and so was Dravid. Yeah, but I think I think their fielding, fielding was a bit of a step yeah, down. But yeah, other yeah, than that, yeah, yeah they were, had, they I mean, their, their team in that series was. Um, Akash Chopra, whereas as far as the cricketers go, he makes a good journalist. Yeah. <laughs> um, they had Saywag opening with him, you know, on his day, incredible. Um, I think Dravid would have been at three, Tendilkar at four, Ganguly, Laxman, um, who was keeping for them at that time, probably Patel. Um, yeah. and they had a few different. There would have been a bit of crossover that team having MS Dhoni as well. I'm pretty sure the back end Don, of that. Dhoni was yeah. in like mid thousands kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and then you know they had Kumble and they had they probably still had Javagal Strinath, maybe not. Agurka was definitely yeah because I remember him bowling really well, but just being god awful with the bat. Yeah, um, for that series, um, and they probably still had Harbashan or. Or someone Zahi like, they would have inevitably brought up. Yeah, Zahi would have been still in his, his prime. Yeah. Harbour so that's a strong. So if, I reckon if you put um Jasper Brumra 
into that team. Yeah. Maybe a yeah. Sharma along with Zahi Khan. And Hell, uh, I, that, I'd, that, even, I'd take um, Yadav. <laughs> yeah, Umesh, yeah, just, you know, just a couple of genuine tall quicks to go with that side. That side, you know, that punches right up there with the the yeah. West, get the great West Indies teams, and mm. you know the the, Austra- the golden era. Definitely Australian more team. batting heavy than those sides. Well, like I say, the, the kind yeah. of and Indian Indian commentators have alluded to this quite recently is that 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 those guys were playing on quite sandy decks at the time, and they, they didn't like throwing their bodies around. And it was you know largely the extent it was a bit more with the mindset with West Indies bowls that they they could bowl the way out of trouble, but. They didn't like they, they 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 wouldn't save singles and they wouldn't work hard on kind of stopping it mm. as opposed to Australian where it's just like you know we, we you, got, you had that offside where it was literally just that you, you couldn't get a run you, if you if you could find a run you bloody take it and you take it quite plenty late. of runs in that team it's the old adage that they have for Indian teams as they come over to Australia or they go over to England and they can't handle the bounce or the sideways movement and Dravid Tendulkar and and Laxman those guys have all got really outstanding away mm. records as well as home records so that that team was just you know we've got these current Indian bowlers that are, you know they were just pick their career up and take it back 10 years and yeah. you just got that massive you know that would be a massive era of dominance for Indian cricket so oh, 100% um, but I think I think it's also probably largely a um, I think India's got a lot better at scouting players and figuring out what they need to be successful because you look at this current iteration of test teams and as much as it pains me to say it is India are by far and away good. Like you, oh, you look, they're, they're the favourites to win this World Test Championship. Yeah, look, look, yeah. look at look at the last test they brought over in Australia, where they they had um, well, all four of their quicks bowled faster than ours. Like yeah. on average, they they regular times quick. where the the Indian fast bowlers were had the highest average speeds. It'd be bang bang bang. Maybe Stark might have got a one ripper in there to break it up, but usually they showed the five top five top five fastest bowlers for the match. Three of them were Indian, but it was very, which has never happened. So that very English selection as well of um, they they dropped. I can't remember the opener's name from from the start of that series, but they dropped him for this Agarwal guy who's gone on. He scored some handy runs for him, and he's still playing. And they dropped Rahul. Yeah, KL Rahul. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. It, it was. And they dropped they, they dropped him and brought in um, brought in this older guy. But it was an older guy who's got a really good first class average. It's, well, it's just, I think he was a bowler too. Yeah, he's an older rounder. Yeah, yeah. Rahul's another one that could be on the bus to the Boulevard of Broken Dreams. Yeah. He's uh, averaging fifty odd in he's first got, class he's cricket. He's got Green Day oh. like following the but, bus. Maybe some Rahul fans are still holding their hopes. Yeah, <laughs> his career's not quite done. With not the quite done. There's plenty of time to turn it around, but it's sort of panning out that way. Then yeah, sort 100%. of struggling with that step up. All right, guys. Like we said, we promised. Doesn't matter. There's no ashes on. We'll what, find something to talk about. What we should do is ask the listeners who their person who lives in our, in our yeah. Have you got in anyone that, that's going to move into the Boulevard yeah. of Broken Dreams? That we've forgotten about. Let's get some names. Yeah. Well, let's get some graduates as well. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's always a new crop. That's the great thing about cricket. There's always a new graduating class of Broken Dreams. <laughs> People who just didn't quite make it. <laughs> didn't quite get there. <laughs> Because as much as we love the guys, see these guys, oh, see, look, we, we, we love talking about obscure players. They were like, "What's happening to this guy nowadays?" Yeah, we relate more to that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, now I'm going to be I'm going to be behind them in enemy lines next week. That's so right. Glenn's be, going abroad I'm, I'm across going the New Dutch. Zealand. Off, the, off uh, over I'm the gonna, Dutch. We're going to get some I'm flies gonna, for you to throw up. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to come back with like tips about how to play the New Zealand players. Are you going to? You know, like I'm going to come up with such pearls of wisdom as 
Trent Bolt largely relies on swing. Yeah. <laughs> Good scouting report yeah, there, Glenn. Yeah. What about Kane yeah. Williamson? Kane that's, Williamson the, that's the big one. Has yeah. a flawless technique. Yeah, he largely relies on swing. Not skill. when it comes to bowling. <laughs> <laughs> as long as he doesn't bowl his doosery, he can bowl. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that'll do us for this week, guys. Hope you've had a good time. Um, we're, we certainly did. Bit of research into this one. We couldn't just sit here jolly chatting about the, the test that unfolded through our eyes. We had to go in and have a bit of a look up and exercise our brains a bit, so we had a good time. It is yeah. good to take a breath, though, before the, the summer of cricket to just enjoy the fact that Australia are currently holding an Ashes and we did quite well overseas, so it's good to reflect on that a bit. Just Personally, goes, anyway. Just goes to show that there's always something to talk about with this great sport of ours, cricket. Cricket is Love life. Yeah. Cricket is life. <laughs> All right. Have a good one. Like we said, if you've got anyone you'd like to add as a resident of our boulevard, please feel free to leave a comment or track us down on our Facebook page or Twitter. Just have a search for Two Slips and a Gully. We'd love to hear from you. And we will uh, talk to you again next week. See you later, guys. Bye. See ya. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.